0: My name is Mark Morris. My wife is Cindy. We have been married about 40 years. We have nine grandchildren and uh, we have a love for the people of Afghanistan and particularly in addition to them, other Muslims from uh, the the least reached peoples in the world. Uh, in 1983, my wife and I moved to uh, work among uh, a Catholic background people group in South Africa, Portuguese uh, speakers from Mozambique and Angola and also tribal peoples. We served for about four years planting churches and developing uh, leaders of churches And then through a prayer experience, we noticed that there were people uh, from Brazil and other places that were coming to serve alongside of us. And our sense of calling was always to go and serve among people that didn't have a chance to hear. So uh, we sensed that God was leading us uh, to to move. We made ourselves available uh, to explore other places to serve where there were greater needs in that process came across a dear friend named David Garrison that we had been in seminary together with. And I told him about a particular ethnic group in Af- in Africa. Uh, and he said, that's an unreached people group. And I said, David, what's an unreached people group? And he uh, then did what I thought was an AMLE presentation, laying out, uh, selling me on a bill of goods that I began to realize, well, this is God's passion it's those that don't have a chance to hear. And so we changed our whole focus in 1988. We began studying about unreached people groups. We found a people in the mountains of Afghanistan, a people of about 7 million called the Hazara people. And we learned that they were one of the most oppressed uh, peoples. They were the wrong religion. They're Shia Muslims. In a Sunni Muslim world, they were the wrong race. Uh, they were Hazara descendants of Genghis Khan, and they had uh, they had been living and kind of forced up into the mountains of Afghanistan by the the larger uh, Sunni other more Aryan people groups called the Pashtun and have who have uh, some would know as as the Taliban today, and <clears throat> so we became. Involved over since about 1988, we've been involved with trying to share Jesus among uh, Hazara Afghans and other uh, Arab and Farsi speaking Muslims. Uh, I also uh, as the director of Urban Theological Studies at Union University's Memphis College of Urban and Theological Studies. We have about right now about 100 some odd students that are mostly urban pastors and urban church leaders. Most of them, the vast majority are African-American. So I live in these two different worlds of the unreached. We work among refugees in Memphis and also I'm training urban church leaders. So the topic for our discussion today is on ministering to Muslims using Old Testament stories Uh, all of this is a part of a training series that I do called 619 training based on Ephesians 619 that is uh, uh, really a a part of the process of preparing to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel so this fits into that broader theme of boldly proclaiming God's his good news I have to tell you about one of my first encounters in uh, the Muslim world was uh, after having lived in Pakistan for about a year and a half. My wife and I, or I would say, one of the most powerful experiences. My wife and I had been praying for God to open doors for us to work among this mountain people while they were refugees. Yet we knew that in order to be able to reach them and truly understand them, we would have to. I would need to travel at least to their villages, where they came from, deep into the heart of Afghanistan. This was during a season in which Soviet-backed militia controlled the cities, the highways and byways, and and the refugees uh, and the freedom fighters, uh, jihadists controlled uh, the the rural areas and so uh, how in the world would God give me the opportunity to get into the mountains of Afghanistan during during those days in the late 80s and early 90s well it was after uh, meeting uh, just having a, a dinner with some some workers among Afghans uh, in Pakistan and I was there sitting beside a Hazara man and uh, I didn't know anything about him, but we struck up a conversation about his people, his village. A few days later, this this um, friend showed up, this Afghan Hazara showed up at my door, uh, two days journey by train uh, from where he lives and where I met him. And he said, Mr. Mark, I understand you love my people. I'm going in 10 days. Uh, would you come? And so I told him. I'll pray, and of course, my wife and I had been praying for over a year and a half, for God to open the doors for me be, to be able to travel into that rural area. We began what was a five-day journey across the mountains and through a couple of deserts, and in finally, we we reached what was his homeland, the the Hazarajat, and it was there, after several days, I knew about a group of of christians who were meeting quietly in a village and i asked my friend to take me he couldn't go with me so he sent a sufi uh a um who is the the muslim healer or uh in other cultures in in africa we would call it a witch doctor and so this sufi took me across two mountains uh, a two-day walk uh, to get to the home of these believers, and you're seeing their picture there and I'll never forget uh when uh that brother invited me to go into another room, and there in that room, there were women and and I'd been in the in the mountains for nearly three weeks by then, and I saw women for the first time in the room uh, i had, i i mean any time I saw women in this this separated, dichotomized world of men versus women uh, that the women left whenever this foreigner, me, uh, entered a room or entered an area. And so these women were there, so I stopped and I said, do you want me to wait for the ladies to leave? And he said, no, these are your sisters. Wow, I was humbled. And I recall uh, going into that room and after a few minutes, sitting on the ground my shoes were off as was the custom in that area and, and one of the ladies said to her husband uh, is it safe now and he said yes and so she dug into a trunk she opened up uh, a, a piece of green silk cloth and inside were these small bibles that you see uh, they were new testaments in Dari uh, and they Opened them up and we laid them out and we began to read God's word. Uh, the, the reverence with which uh, these brothers read the word. And there in the room was also another seeker. Someone who had yet to, to choose Jesus. And, and I just remember that most powerful experience with God's word. In the mountains of Afghanistan. Seven days journey into those mountains and recognizing that, that every one of those Bibles that, that each of us held in our hands had been carried across uh, uh, Soviet-backed uh, checkpoints and Islamic freedom fighter-backed checkpoints and at any point along the way mm-hmm. those Bibles could have been confiscated And those believers that had carried them could have been arrested, tortured, imprisoned, or killed. And so it just helped me to recognize the power of God's word and the importance of God's word and the essential uh, uh, requirement that we get people into God's word. So... What we really are doing as as followers of Jesus, uh, working alongside Muslims is we're really seeking uh, to find ourselves seeking God together alongside of our Muslim friends. Before we go further, I'd recommend a re- resource to you, uh, one that has shaped me and my team and how we approach, Work among Muslims. It's a little book, a very easy to read, called "Any Three by Mike Shipman, uh, leading Muslims to Christ. Now, uh, asking three questions: You know how do you know how do we share with anyone, any anywhere, anytime? And this research was resource was developed in Indonesia uh, after working among Muslims for about eight years, and and recognizing that that Mike had. Had, you know, as he says, he had spent so many years trying to become friends in order to share Jesus. What he recognized was that he could use the gospel as a net. And instead of waiting, he could get the gospel out there. Uh, and the, the simple five steps used is get connected small talk, getting connected with the people, getting to God, asking a what you might consider a stupid question was like are you a Hindu, a Buddhist, a Muslim? Uh, and and then getting to lot lostness, getting to your faith system, your religion, and asking a question that gets to the heart of the matter such as, in your religion how do you get your sins forgiven and then waiting and listening and actually sort of nursing out that answer and finding out uh, and letting people tell about all that they do to get their sins forgiven and then and then getting to the gospel and uh, and telling a couple of stories from the old testament and, and then getting to Jesus and getting to the story of the of the lamb of god who comes to take away the sins of of the world, uh, getting to that story as soon as possible, and then and then getting to to uh, to a de- the decision, getting to the question uh, of do you believe that what I've said is true, uh, and, and then and then seeing where that leads, and hopefully that leads to uh, other uh, studies of God's word. Uh, so I just want to just do a plug for that, and suggest that if you don't have that. Uh, go get it. It's an easy read and uh, it's a great tool for getting into conversations either in five minutes or five hours or five days. Uh, But really, before we go further, we also need to ask the question, do you really believe that Christianity is the only true, true path? If you don't believe that, then I'm not sure why we're here. So I would encourage you to to explore that question and truly firm up, do you believe Jesus when he says, "I'm the way, the truth and the path and the light? No one comes to the Father but by me, that's got to be at the foundation of the next step we take. So the question is this, how do we proclaim the mystery of the good further uh, if we don't start there? Because you the, see the the there's some basic premises that, that are not clear to a muslim that are so clear to us that we just assume even the concept of sin for example the idea of sin uh, for uh, those that come from a a biblical worldview a christian even a nominal christian background we have a different concept of sin than the average muslim does we have a concept of original sin that that, uh, marks every person Whereas our Muslim friends might not have that, so we need to get back to the very foundations of the creation. I just say this: that the old law points to points all peoples to God. It even the in from Zechariah. You see, uh, this uh, from chapter eight, verse twenty-one. Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the lord of hosts in jerusalem now, jerusalem was the center of the worship of the one true god if you wanted to know about the god of abraham isaac and joseph you would go to to uh, jerusalem and and there were the scribes and the pharisees and the sadducees and those that knew the law and 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 there people from all nations could could go and entreat the favor of the lord Verse 23, thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So even the, the old law points people from all nations to God. And and the people of Israel, um, though they neglected to, uh, they became myoptic and, and lost sight of the fact that this message was, and this covenant was uh, to be a display for, for the nations and was to become the path for the nations. And in fact, a straight path to the one true God. Well, in the New Testament, we know that the new law opens God's door to all peoples and the the curtain is is torn from top to bottom. So here's the approach that we're going to look at is following the straight path through the prophets. the prophets that that at least in name um, the Muslims that we know recognize they though they see Adam different than you and I would see Adam, they see him as a pro uh, as a prophet and Noah and Abraham and Moses David, Jonah as a prophet and and even John the baptizer. Uh, as a prophet and of course they recognize Jesus as a prophet so the idea I want to um, share with you is, is uh, that of walking through their prophets but filling in the details that the Bible covers which the Quran does not cover so you'll you'll even find that as you walk through the prophets with them that uh, they have different stories they have different details and they have and and to explain it simply, you say that the Quran has sort of a, a, a dim view, uh, just a, a sort of a, a foggy picture of these prophets, whereas the Bible gives, gives clarity and gives detailed description and gives uh, better understanding. And so what we're doing is uh, we're pursuing with them as we walk toward God uh, together through their prophets and ours, uh, and we find how Jesus, fulfills each one of these. But before we do that I also want to call your attention to first Peter 4. Uh not going to read it but I want to point that this this passage has some great lessons for us to build a a house of ministry so to speak, uh, to to build a foundation or components of of, of ministry. Uh, among Muslims or any people, but uh, the foundation, the f- the place we have to begin, is prayer and and for for me and our team, it means regular prayer and fasting. Uh, we really know that this is a spiritual ministry and is and and it's powerless just on our own efforts. And so we're praying that God will work, and it is His ministry, not ours. So prayer is foundation, and then one of the key Uh, columns you could say in this house is hospitality because other Muslim cultures know hospitality much better than us so that means having lots of cups of tea it also means serving and in most cases, being served. One of the high values, a true mark of friendship in many Muslim cultures, though I have to say I'm only really an expert in one Muslim culture. That's the the Shiite Hazara uh, Afghan Muslims of the mountains of Afghanistan. And so there, there's many different Muslim cultures. We can't love, lump them all into one big box. Uh, there's many subcategories. But at least from those that I know who work and serve among other Muslims, it seems that service and then mutual indebtedness, that means there's this healthy system of I serve you, you serve me. It means I don't always need to be the, the server. It means I need to be in need. I need to be in debt. When I have a problem, I need to go to my my Muslim friend and 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 share in this mutual indebtedness of of need. And then, uh, and then, as we serve and as we carry out hospitality, as we build on a foundation of prayer, it means we need to be ready to present the word of God. That's the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now we know that if you and you'll see this beautifully broken down in Philippians in, sorry in first Peter 4 you see how uh, there's this beautiful picture of, of everything being covered in grace and love. Uh, this the grace and love of God uh, covers uh, a multitude of sins uh, you could say and then ultimately this leads to... Um, to, to discipleship and and gathering together into to churches and and small groups bible and bible studies discovery bible studies etc et let me just read part of this the end of all things is at hand therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers above all keep loving one another earnestly so that love Uh, it it covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality, verse 9 says, uh, to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Uh, Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may glorify, be glorified through Jesus Christ to him, belong glory and dominion forever and ever amen so let that be sort of the fashion uh helping you build those handles for ministry prayer and supplication uh people to people serving incarnation being presence uh you know for our team it means preparing every week with a new story we learn a new story from god's word every week we practice telling it I'm not talking about memorizing, I'm learning the essence of the story, learning to tell it uh, and 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 then to hold each other accountable for for telling other people, uh, telling our Muslim friends about uh, this tr- this great news, practicing hospitality home to home and uh, but listening to the spirit of God. Uh, so yes, all these are are key ingredients for an effective Uh, ministry among Muslims so how do we proclaim this gospel here's what we know from first Timothy is that there is one God and there's one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all which is the testimony given at the proper time so we're seeking to be that person do that well, one thing that I think is is a great tool that God has given us is our cell phones and our devices. So I encourage everyone, explore what you can do with your phones. You can really share a lot of good news with your friends who have little English by simply using your phone. You can share Bible verses and stories in their language, and our friends that or Learners can hear Bible stories in their own language, it's a whole nother uh, lesson that that I like to teach. But just simply using your YouVersion Bible app, just you can change translations and you uh, play for them in their language. Even let them pick out the language on your YouVersion app. Uh, the Bible, go straight to the Bible. If you have an iPad, you can have the the English and their language side by side. So, uh, if you turn your your iPad to the side, you can see it see it parallel. And then other tools like C to C to C storing, again another way to just simply open the app. And then the Gospel in every language, uh, Five Fish is another place you can go to to simply let your phone tell. The stories of God's Word. So so don't neglect to explore the power of your cell phone and devices. Uh, also, uh, the Uversion Kids app is a great tool that we use uh, with children and parents alike. You'll find that you can put the Uversion Bible app into many languages and in a one final uh, app I would mention is the prophet stories where sections of the Jesus film are available and you can you can if you're telling stories through God's word you can use uh, the prophet stories to uh, to let those those uh, stories come to life for them but the folk come to now is uh, learning to tell the stories of God's word particularly starting in the Old Testament now, one of the greatest tools that that we have discovered is called Bibletelling.org, or the or uh, uh, BTstories.com. Uh, there is an app that you can download on your phone, and there is training uh, online uh, using 260 stories. The stories are there's there's an audio download. There are videos of the stories, of an older gentleman telling the story, and they are increasing their translations. But what I want to encourage you to do is use the English version, and go to the online interactive uh, version, and and you can pull up the the story uh, through chronologically, looking at each story. So here you see a list of. The creation story, the Adam and Eve story, the fall, etc. So you simply click on those, uh, each of those, and you you have the opportunity to to look at the story as it, the text of a of a story, or you can watch uh, a sort of a video commentary on the story. It gives the background in four or five minutes, and then you can watch the story told. So Bibletelling.org Is the tool that I want to recommend you use but let's go one story the story of Abraham for example so uh, what what's this like going to the story well the story of Abraham is one of the great stories that 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 I like to use whether I'm using the the any three approach or I just have an opportunity to talk to talk about the father of, of the Jewish faith, the, the Muslim faith, and, um, and the, the Judeo-Christian uh, faith system. So what about Abraham and his, fi- and his family? So here's one of the most important stories that I think has a, a pis- pivotal influence. And it's the story of Genesis 22, one to 24. Here's how the story goes. And this is a story from God's word. When Isaac was a young man, God came to Abram and said, Abraham, take Isaac, the son you love so dearly, and go to a place I'll show you. There, I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. When Isaac was a young man, God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, take Isaac, the son you love so dearly, and go to a place... And there you are to sacrifice him. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine Abraham's response? Well, the next morning, Abraham got up early, cut wood for the sacrifice. He saddled a donkey. He took two servants, and he started on the journey. Three days later, Abraham saw the place that God had selected. And he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey. Isaac and I will go and worship the Lord, and we'll come back after the sacrifice. So he told Isaac, Carry the wood, son. And Abraham took the hot coals and the knife, and Isaac looked around and asked, uh, Father, we have the wood and the fire, but, but where's the lamb for the s- sacrifice? Abraham looked at his son, and, and he said, God will provide himself a lamb for the sacrifice. As Abraham said that by faith. And when they got to the place that God had selected, Abraham built an altar and he ranged the wood on top. And then he tied up his son. He put him on top of the wood. And then he reached for the knife to kill his son. And with, with that, the angel of the Lord called to him out of heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Don't kill your son. Don't do anything to him. For now, I know that you fear God since you are willing to give me your son. Abraham looked off to the side and, and, and there in the thicket he saw a, a ram with his horns caught in a bush. and he, So he took the lamb. He, he used him as the sacrifice instead of his son Abraham. Uh, then he named the place the Lord will provide because surely the Lord did provide uh, a ram afterwards God said to Abraham because you have obeyed me I'll bless you and your descendants I'll make your descendants as 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 hard to count as the stars now they'll be they'll be as hard to count as the sand on the seashore on top of that I will make them prominent even in the cities of their enemies. And the whole earth will be blessed because of them. And then Abraham went back to where the servants were waiting, and together they went home. This is a story from God's Word. So that's just an example of how the story is told, simply by, by studying the scripture by reading the story and there's many tools that you'll find on btstories.com or BibleTelling.org there's tools and training to help you learn how to practice those stories uh, from underlining and circling and and drawing pictures of those stories in your journal uh, but letting the idea is to let the the story come alive uh, not just by memorizing it but, but by telling uh, and for many you become the storyteller of the very word of god but so the plan going forward is that we would reveal to our muslim friends the straight path of the prophets now there are there's a theme in the Quran and in Islamic teaching called signs, and in th- this case, we want to look at seven special signs. Now, what is that in the in the Muslim world for for a Muslim? A sign, the best comparison would be the message or or the symbol. Here's a, a quote. From the Quran, I read all of it, but you'll see that 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 in this passage in the Quran, the word signs comes up several times. We explain the signs in details. We sent our signs. So God sent the signs. Uh, we should have elevated Him. He's talking about elevating a person with the signs, uh, and and so the, the the idea is that the signs of the prophets. The messages of the prophets are, are critical, critical, critical. And there's a straight path to God through the signs of the prophets. So it's a message of the prophets uh, that, that hold the key to finding yourself uh, with God. In fact, here's a question you can ask a Muslim. Do you know what guarantees that someone can go to heaven? Uh, would you like to know? Yes, tell me. Well, there's a verse in the Quran that tells you how you will not go to heaven. Well, that's the opposite, right? It says this, but those who reject our signs or God's messengers and God's messages and scorn them are possessors of hellfire where they will be forever. So it's one thing to know the signs, but what, what's the straight path to paradise? Well, it's learning the signs and obeying the signs. So this is why we use the, the topic of signs with Muslims because signs uh, are message, or messages of the prophets uh, are, are a major theme in the Quran and, and it's a Muslim-friendly topic and the signs of God are, and the signs of the prophets offer much opportunity for discussion. It's familiar to them and, and it provides an invitation into the holy book. And the signs create this con- conceptual story uh, to exchange both what they know and what we learn from the Bible. It gives you interaction. It leads to the, this grand narrative, the, the, the golden strands or threads of, of redemption that are, that are painted throughout, are woven throughout Scripture. And the signs give this overview, in other words, of God's redemptive plan. So, uh, as a good Muslim, you could ask, what, what is your hope about how God will judge you? Because every Muslim knows, just as we know, there will be a day of judgment. Well, the typical answer is, well, inshallah, God willing, I'll go to paradise. Well, what does your holy book tell you will condemn you to hell? Well, I just told you. Uh, uh, know the signs. So your book says we have to learn and obey the signs right? Well, do you know that there are seven major prophets that, from that we have in the Quran and we have the Torah, the Zabur, and the Injil, and 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 then play a game with them and ask can you help me list them? Well they'll get Adam, they know Adam and and then and then you engage the, your Muslim friend in the process of, of walking through those uh, prophets. Now you can do this over several days you can do it over you can do it over uh, uh, a half an hour you can do it. Uh, in a uh, uh, a week by week study of each of the prophets, I've listed here the Quranic verses, and I'll be show- also including obviously biblical passages on these. But so, for example, Adam, uh, what do we what do we know about Adam? Well, uh, the sign of Adam is the garment of righteousness to cover the shame. Now, this is in the Bible. This is not. This is not in the Quran in this way. But we know that, that Adam brings shame. They know that and we know that. And, and and so there was nakedness and the nakedness had to be covered. Uh, the nakedness revealed uh, their sin uh, and their exposure to the judgment of God. So the garment of, of righteousness was provided. So as you walk through... The stories of, of of the prophets. You start with Adam. You tell the creation story, and then you tell the story of 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 the fall of Adam and Eve, and um, and then the judgment, being kicked out of the garden, and then. But God not only judged them and kicked them out of the garden, but but God also provided for them a better garment, and and some refer to that as the first sacrifice where god an animal had to be sacrificed and there's your there's your first sacrifice in the bible you also see that in this story there's something that that the bible alone teaches us and that is that the woman's seed and this is planting the seed for the the path from adam all the way to jesus the seed from the woman's seed Satan will be defeated. So this is new information for our Muslims uh, to learn. So you ask, why start in the Old Testament? Well, look at the power of that one story, the first sacrifice. God not only judges our sin, uh, but he also provides for us even through our sin. And the fact that, that from the very first story of the Bible, we see the prophecy that One day, the descendant of woman, uh, pointing to Jesus, will defeat Satan. Very important to flesh that story out. So, here you have, if you draw a line on a piece of paper, you write the name of Adam, provision of God's clothing to cover the sin. That's the sign. What does it do? It covers shame. We go to the next prophet. Well, who do you think the next prophet was? And and they might guess. And you, you eventually uh, come to Noah. You tell the story. So obviously you've got to practice these stories. You've got to know them. So if you do one story a week, it allows you to practice between and, and learn these stories. And again, I, I call you back to BibleTelling.org or BT Stories. Go and learn the story. and Or open the Bible. Open it in there. In their language, open the, the text and read it with them. Allow them to show you in their Quran if if they like, if they know their Quran. So you're, you flesh out the story of knowing you and ask, Okay, well, what was this sign? Well, it was the boat or the ark. It was an ark that, that was God's provision for rescue. So, how do we obey this sign? You may not understand why it's necessary, but when God reveals the way to be rescued, what do we have to do? We have to get into his boat. If he provides a boat, we have to get into it or we will die. Whatever way God provides, that is our way of escape. So when God provides, then that is our our answer. We have to act. We have to respond. Because Muslims have a story about the son of Noah who refused to get into the boat. And they say he died because he refused to get into the boat. So, uh prophet is Noah. Well, did you know that the Quran instructs you to ask me, a Christian, about these things? And there's a Quranic verse that says that they're to do that. Uh, Just another encouragement uh, for uh, the dialogue and interaction between Muslim path. We go to Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 17, 22, and we we find that, and the, the story that I just told you, what was his sign? Well, it was the ransom sacrifice uh, a a sacrifice that was provided by God a lamb in the thicket that died in the place of the son of Abraham don't get caught up on which son but it was the son of Abraham but God provided a sacrifice in place of the son Uh, the Quran just refers to it as a great sacrifice so again we're filling in the details of the story that they have from the Quran and the stories that we have from the Bible um, God's provision a lamb, a male lamb who must die to save him and that's what happens, so here you have Adam the provision of, uh, of a better clothing, Noah the boat to get in now Abraham a sacrifice provided by, by God, a perfect male, but what's the sign of Moses? well, tell the story of of Moses and the the blood that was of, of a of a male perfect lamb that was that was spread across the doorpost of 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 everyone in Egypt that wanted to obey God and it was the blood. Uh, this was considered a great sign. The Bible gives all this details about the male lamb that must be sacrificed. He must be without blemishes. Blood must be smeared on the doorpost to save the oldest son who would be be killed otherwise. So what do we learn from the sign of the blood from Moses? That the blood must be applied directly and personally by you. That's an important theme to bring out later when you tell the story about how we personally receive Christ the Lamb perfect lamb of God so we continue to walk through the pro in from Psalms we have uh, the the Zabor so the lamb is a son of David he will die on a tree but he will not remain dead then we come to Jonah a story that they know uh, what was his sign well in their story they know that he spent three days in the well as if dead, but he came back to life. Uh, So, here this points to the picture of resurrection by God's grace. The sacrifice of of a person that would die and come back to life after three days. Uh, In the Quran, it says that God brings living out of the dead and dead out of the living. And God provided for Jonah. So again, the story and the sign of Resurrected from the dead after three days, he is the Lamb of God, uh, according to John. So, what was his sign? What did John the Baptist do? He confirmed and pointed to the Word of God. The Bible gives the details that the Quran doesn't have. Um, the straight path in the desert. This is who chief. The male lamb is Jesus. He takes away the sins of the world. John pointed directly. To Jesus is said, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. So the Quran connects the straight path with obeying Jesus. And John confirms that Jesus is the path. So here we, we've walked through uh, key prophets in Muslim Pateki. Um, and then we come to Jesus himself. Now, Jesus, of all the prophets that we've just talked about, Jesus is the only uh, Muslim prophet who is known himself as the sign, as the Word of God. What was his sign? Well, he had a number of signs, but he is the sign. He's the only prophet or messenger who actually is a sign, he's the provision. He's born of a virgin. He's the sacrifice that we must take immediately. The one whose death and resurrection are blessed. Now, his other signs were his miracles, his raising people from the dead. His, uh, you know, so there were many things that that verified the authority of Jesus. But the only prophet, I mean, if you know, Muslims accept Muhammad as a prophet. We don't. Uh, but, but. Even Muhammad himself was not the sign. Jesus, greater than any of the other prophets, is himself the sign and the fulfillment of all the other prophets and their messages who came before him. Uh, From the Bible, we learn that he died on a tree. He was resurrected after three days. He was the Sinless Lamb of God who takes away the shame. He saves our lives. He is the blood. He died and he rose to life after three days. He takes away the sins of, of the world. We must not reject the sign of Jesus. If we reject him, then we are in big trouble. Key verses from the Quran there are Mariam 19.21 and Mariam 21, 91, if you want to look those up. So here you have the unfolding of the straight path of Jesus uh, all the way through the prophets of old, pointing to Jesus. So here's a follow-up question. Well, what did the Jews do when they received all these signs? Well, we learn in the Bible, in the New Testament, they rejected him. And said that they had killed him, and actually God had, had done this. Now, how could God let His holy Prophet die naked on a cross? That's the question of of most good Muslims. How would God allow that to happen? And it's an honor-shame question because, uh, but the Bible says that the prophets will be killed in shame. Well, in the Muslim world view, this is something that's hard for them to conceive because of this honor shame culture but it's one we have to tell the truth about this is what happened to the prophets of old well Muslims get this rosy uh, tinted picture of the prophets they don't hear about the the the, the weak knees of many of our prophets uh, but in the Bible we get the whole story about who the prophets are uh, well, we, unlike the Jews, we are not to reject the signs and go to hell and be condemned. Here's a hard question. What if the Muslims ask, ask? well, what does the Quran say about the special signs of these major, seven major prophets? And then they get to the question, well, what, what about Muhammad? What about Muhammad? It's difficult for us. Um, I remember the story of of some Taliban background uh, Afghans that were studying the Bible for a number of years. And after some time, they had accepted the the facts of the gospel. They had accepted the, the, the stories of the Bible. They accepted the authority of God's word. But finally, they came to their teacher and they said, okay, we believe that Jesus is who he says he was. We believe that he is the Messiah. He's the... He is the only way to God, the Father. But just tell me one question. Answer me this, and then we'll be ready. Tell me, what do you believe about Muhammad? And this wise uh, uh, student of God's word and worker among Muslims uh, said this. He said, let me tell you a story. And he told the story of his father, his own father, he told about how wonderful his father was, how he loved him, he cared for him, he taught him how, and how at every stage of his life, his father had taught him about how to, to, uh, to be a young man, how to be a good, a good husband, how to be a good father, and then after telling this glorious story about how wonderful a father, uh, his own uh, human father was, my friend said to these three uh, Taliban, he said. But my father is dead. And these three Taliban, who had been studying the Bible, who believed the story of Jesus, but were struggling with the issue of what about the prophet that I've learned all my life is the prophet of God and the final prophet, how do I deal with the prophet Muhammad, or the so-called prophet Muhammad, well, what my friend said by without saying it was he said Jesus is alive and Muhammad is dead. He said that without using those words because those words can get you in trouble. So that's the difference. What was Muhammad's sign if he had a sign? Well it was the Quran according to Muslims. The only prophet himself who was the sign is Jesus. The sinless one whose death and resurrection are blessed. He is the seed of the woman that was born of a virgin that would come and redeem the world and conquer Satan. So Jesus is the last and greatest prophet. And that's the statement, if stated by you, that can get you in trouble. Uh, Here's the point. I'm not coming to my Muslim friends to teach them about Muhammad or teach them about the Quran. What I am about is the prophets of the Old Testament that point to uh, the, the one true God and his only plan for salvation through Jesus Christ. And I can do that using the prophets of old. One final key, we learn that the Spirit is the one who prompts and guides and does the true laboring for salvation. First Corinthians 3, 6-8 says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Use the stories of the Old Testament to lead to the one true path, Jesus of Nazareth.